Welcome to a new episode of It Be Your Own People, a new podcast about what's going on in pop culture and being a POC in today's social environment, because sometimes it be your own people. Maybe it's your brother, sister, or a friend. Karen at the job or Karen next door, a leader of the movement you thought you could trust. Most of the time, it's somebody you already know. Beware the wolves, y'all. And now more than ever, people are showing you who they really are, and you need to know who you can trust. Hey, 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 welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of It Be Your Own People. We're going to get it started right away with our cocktail of the day. Tree, what you got over there? Ooh, I'm having a nice white wine spritzer. It's perfect for the hot summer weather we are currently having. What about you? I'm having some kind of white. It's crisp, it's delicious, and it's cold, and I'm having a good time. The only thing that matters is that there's liquor in it. But we have a very special guest today, comedian and actor, Justin Ramos. He's hailing from East New York, Brooklyn. So before he comes to chat with us, let's get into this game. It's game time. Let's talk about gifts after breakups. You're keeping it or you're losing it. Mm, I'd say it depends on the gift. So what kind of gifts are you talking about? Um... Full disclosure, anything that I'm giving, I'm keeping because it's mine because it was given to me. But for the purposes of this combo, okay, what about clothes? Um, If they're cute and they still fit me, of course, I'm keeping them. If they're ugly and I've either grown out of them, I've gotten bigger or smaller, they might be going to goodwill, but they ain't going back to the person who gave them to me. Okay, I like that. See, you're trying to help other people. Okay, I got you on that. Clothes regardless, mm, I got to see what season is in, what style it is. I don't know what I'm doing with it. I might just have a nice little bonfire out on the lawn. It depends on what happened in that breakup. Or you got yourself some new cleaning rags. There you go. Um, What about jewelry? For me, it's a must, must, must. You ain't getting it back. I'm wearing that shit right now. There you go. Let that was know. real diamonds. I'm not giving that shit back. Not giving back jewelry. That's a oh hell no for me. I'm not donating it or whatsoever. You know, maybe you can go and pawn it, get some money, pay some bills or whatever. But oh, it's mine. Okay, but what if it was an engagement ring and y'all broke up? You keeping so? it or you giving it back? No, it was given to me. It was mine. It was the intent to marry. And even though we did not marry, you gave it to me and we agreed upon that. And whatever happened after that is none of my business. Facts on facts. What about electronics? Like, let's say you get a phone. Maybe somebody gets an Xbox, a PlayStation. Maybe someone gets gifted a computer. See, now the only reason why I would go and switch it out, I'm not giving it back to you. I will go to, you know, Apple, Game Station, whatever, and get a new one only because you might have it bugged. And I don't need you to know who I'm moving on with. Bye bye. <laughs> I, I didn't even think that far ahead. I'm just and like, people be doing shit. They be doing things. They be trying to track you and know your location. It's going to happen in your computer, your phone, or your Game Station. So I'm going to go and I'm going to exchange it for another. Um, so I actually did gift an ex a computer and they tried giving it back. And I, I'm so petty. I was just like, no, you're going to keep that shit. Cause what the fuck I'm going to do with six iMacs? I already have five. Like I don't need another one. See, I'm going to bypass the fact that you even purchased that for someone else. You know what? You were younger and not as wise as you are today. (laughs) This is true. But you know, we aging and we begin smarter. What about animals though this is a tough one what about puppies you got a little dog over there what you doing you know me i'm a dog girl through and through so my puppy stays with me if you want to break up that's on you but 
that's my kid for all intents and purposes. He's staying by my side all the time. See, the thing is, I love that you said, you know, animals, they are children. They are part of the family. The thing is, when you break up and you get that kid, that animal, puppy, dog, cat, whatever, with a person, you might have to do some visitation rights. What do you think about that? No. He's taking him every other weekend. No. No? No. But that's a child. You just no, that's why. Child. That's why you got to make sure that when they gift you the money, they also gift you the paperwork and the paperwork shows that you are the sole owner caretaker responsible for this person because no you're not about to use the puppy as a way to warm yourself back into my heart uh uh-uh. uh oh that's exactly what they're doing that's why they gifted the puppy in the first yep, place that's some controlling they wanted to be together but that's, if you don't end up together they're gonna try and find their way but like i gotta see baby no, and baby is chair. the dog and you girl child, when you no, that's that toxic Baby. Game yeah. recognized game and that looking real familiar. You want to know why? Because that is some type of bullshit that I would have done. So you don't have to wake up real early to try and get over one on me. Okay. All right. I hear you, girl. Um, what about cars though? I feel like a major purchase like that to not get it with another person. And again, this can happen whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, or whether you're married. It's gonna be hard to split that. I agree. I agree. And you know what? Take it from me. Like, whenever you make a huge purchase like this, y'all better get that paperwork all the way together from the onset and have an agreement on who is getting what in the event that a breakup should ensue. Because let me tell you, this is exactly how I lost a king size bed by over here thinking that you know she's gonna be a forever thing and it was not but guess what you lost the king size bed but you took that king size tv i did i did i took the tv sure and the sound i took it and it's on periods <laughs> exactly so it's like you have to split the assets yeah. down the line in a relationship in any type of way and this is just not meaning you know sexual romantic relationship this can also be a partnership a business you gotta split it down the middle if yeah don't work out my advice is for cars and shit like that y'all better sell it and split the profits because that's going to be a no-win situation right there and if it was a hoopty well you should have known better see my ass is walking to the mta (laughs) what about if it's a home i'm sorry but if it's a home no you got to think a little bit smarter obviously you need paperwork but if you are not in like a longer term relationship like it doesn't even have to be marriage because marriage is not for everyone like a a real commitment something that you know is this This is the long haul for y'all. Yep. Uh, you definitely going to need to figure it out. That's when you might want to get some lawyers involved because uh, it's not even like a prenup. You just need to get somebody else in here to properly split these assets so nobody walks out a loser. But like do that with a car and a home and on my account, maybe even a puppy. Just saying. Because the thing is, it's just like even with kids, that's only an 18 year commitment. 22 if they go to college. But a home, honey boo boo child, that's a 30 to 35 year commitment. That's a lifetime, honey. And guess what? They got to be spending some good game if you're just going to walk away from a home. Or maybe they're that toxic that you like, fuck it. I'm going to go get another one. If you balling like that, more power to you. Nominee my half. Like, if you were Simon Gubadia out here just collecting women in homes, then by all means, do what you got to do. But um, I want no relation <laughs> to Simon Gubadia. So I'm going to be uh, absolutely 
oh hell no on that a real person if you gifted me this home then it's mine so bye bye find yourself on the lawn this with is true the bonfire this is true if this is a gift that someone's like oh i have gifted you this home and be like oh, okay are you also gifting me the deed that shows that i am the sole proprietor of the home and this is what a lot of people don't ask so then you know if you're married and a divorce happens but your name was never on that home oh honey you leave yep. basically the shirt off your back if that Pretty much the moral of the story for us today is show me the paperwork and keep the jewelry. Ooh, child. Okay, we're jumping right into it with this episode. It's now time for What the Fuck News. All right, everybody. A little too long we had to wait for this, but finally, claps all around. Juneteenth is a holiday a new bill has officially made it yes it's a federal holiday which means the banks is closed and so is i i'm not working i'm not doing anything more importantly we getting paid to not do anything and and think about our ancestors who legitimately had to deal with this and slave for us to finally get here decades later yes for those of you who are unaware juneteenth is when black people like to celebrate the real liberation because although we celebrate july 4th not everybody was free in 1776 and it was not until 1865 when major general gordon granger went around informing all of the enslaved african-americans that we is now free oh you know free-ish that's you gotta say free-ish because it's like we've come so far and to get this bill is wildly amazing but we still have so far to go yes we gotta we gotta call things as they are while this is a good day for us historically there's still so much more work left to do and that's that on that And even though this bill was passed, there were 14 Republicans who voted against it. Yeah. And this is when all of this stuff that I keep harping on, on performing our civic duties, going out, rocking the boat. We got to do that because we cannot have people in office out here who are seriously trying to argue against commemorating a day when all Americans on American soil can feel that they are truly free. So we see you. We're going to get you. And we won't forget. And now, even though we've come so far, oh, there's always something and someone who's going to take us at least 100 steps backwards. So we're talking about Chicago. It's you today. There are pop-up strip clubs in a park. Tell us about that. Yeah. So you know what? I do have to say I recognize your entrepreneurship and also the adherence to social distancing. However, stop uh, it. <laughs> a popular park for kids has recently been taken over for these makeshift strip clubs. So what they've done is created a series of wooden stages, put some poles up there. Women are just out there, you know, twerking for their bands out at this park, which is conveniently located by the University of Chicago. Well, you know what? I understand that the pandemic, which is now apparently completely over and done with, but the pandemic allowed people to become entrepreneurs, find creative ways to make money because some people lost their jobs. So I see you, but I'm just like, is this really the move we're trying to make? And I am not approved at all, but does this need to be in a public park? And I also say this while looking at the flip side. I would be totally against this if I wasn't just recently at a little shindig myself out in New York and there was a whole little stripper situation going on 
in a residential area yes outside because well we were trying to be socially distancing and safe and he was dancing for his dollar bills honey but again this was happening in a backyard outside so i see both sides to and this, there weren't uh, any kids point. there there were no kids of course yeah no so kids. but i'm just saying i see both sides so i'm on the yay and the nay of this i will say that you know reports that say that some of those strippers made several hundreds of dollars in just a few hours and the way these student loans are set up, right? I can't be mad at you. Right. And we know that some people's stories may be like, hey, I have to work my way through college. So you know what? Do you, Chicago, make your money, shake your asses, and uh, I guess pick up after yourselves in the park. I don't know what to say. Make sure you, make sure you clean up them G-strings, girl. Oh, boy. Right. And uh, going on this line of things getting a little freaky out in public. Guess what, Sally? What? Girl, Freak Nick is back. What? Not the Black Spring Break, girl. Tell them about Freak Nick, girl. Ooh. You know what? I may actually go to this. So Freak Nick is set up to return as a three-day event this fall in Atlanta. It was previously known as a Black Spring Break because it started in the mid-80s by students at Atlanta University Center. And then it quickly grew into this annual retreat for thousands of Black Americans to go and get their party on. Because, you know, the white kids used to go to Daytona for spring break and all the POCs used to go to Freak Nick to get their freak on. Yes. I'm all for people of color coming together, having their own festivals. This is basically like the festivals now that are newer that people are putting on, right? I'm all for the party and this and that. But I remember growing up, oh, Freak Nick was Freak Nasty. I'm a little confused on this one. And I know that Freak Nick ended back in 99 because it was just too live. It was way too live. So it is good that it's like truly returning to be a full on event. And we're going to have a lot of performers. We're going to have OG Adina Howard. She's also almost... 50 years old i think she's like 48 do we really want to see you perform girl you think maybe this is gonna be like freak nick but for like the og so this is gonna be like a cut above essence fest so maybe Um, not for the youngest maybe it's for you know us like us millennials ish i like i like that you said a cut above essence because essence Fest is a whole different vibe and yes there are performers and yes three-day weekend and all the black people go because essence Fest is for the grown and sexy this sounds like it's for the grown and nasty it is and you know what is nothing wrong with being a grown and nasty and so we have a lot of performers coming out aside from adina howard we're gonna have little scrappy ray j pastor troy paul wow field mob I mean, we're going to have mad people out there. So you know, maybe this might be something we need to talk about. Maybe we need to take a fall trip and, uh, you know, socially distant, enjoy some grown shit. I will. Uh, I'll think about that. And now on to regular regular news. For this section of regular regular news, we're going to get right into it and talk about who won this very popularized fight between Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter. Tree. Listen, to nobody's surprise, Lamar knocked the F out of Aaron Carter in the second round. Birds was flying. 
tell us something we didn't know. Who didn't see this happening? But Aaron was just so adamant. Or like, you know, I'm taking him down. I'm young. Even though there's a good like 10, 15 year gap, it was sad. And I did not watch the fight. I watched the roundup because apparently the people who were there, that was a waste of their time. It went by so quickly. Girl, I'm so glad this is not one of those pay-per-view things. I wouldn't have paid for it even if it was. But my thing is just like, yeah, there's a 10, 15 year gap, but there's also a 10 to 15 inch height difference. Because come on, who really thought Aaron Carter, who is all of what, 135, 140 pounds soaking wet, was going to overpower a former NBA starting forward? Like, come on, come on. Not soaking wet. Oh, no. Come on. No. But listen, it from jump, it was a poorly matched fight. But you know what? They made their millions or however much money they got off of it. So good luck to them. Hopefully they are, I guess, recovered. Yeah, and they spend that money on something positive and not, you know. But let's move on to um, some better things. We have Miss Riri. Our girl Rihanna has new leggings, but there's a catch. Oh, boy. Yeah, so Rihanna has come out with some really interesting looking leggings that she is calling crotchless open back leggings. Basically, your booty's out. So yeah, you know how the men's be wearing their pants all underneath their ass. Now girls can just wear leggings showing their ass crack. Yep. So I like how they tried to be really fun and cute and somewhat demure with the description by calling it a plunging back that exposes most of the wearer's derriere. Basically, your ass is out, girl. I feel like she's taking strip club attire and trying to capitalize off of it. Like, this is all good and fine for the strip club or, you know, the freaky deekies. You know, maybe you could go and have fun at the outside park strip club in Chicago. Then maybe wear it to Freaknik in Atlanta and, you know, see what's popping. Like, this could be an all-around thing. Yeah. But nobody's wearing this in their regular, regular life. And guess what? Apparently, this is supposed to just be loungewear in the house. No. 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 It never stays in the house. Like, bras and panties that are meant to be worn in the house uh, miraculously make their way out to the supermarket. So, we know that shit ain't happening. Like, first of all, that just don't even sound comfortable. When, you, when you're wearing leggings, it is tight on your skin. That's the whole point of a legging. It's not like loose pants. It's not like loungewear. So when you're wearing tight leggings and then you just have the air on your butt crack, what the hell is going on? And then also think about the tan line you're going to get, girl. A crisscross over your ass cheeks. That shit ain't cute. Don't nobody want to see that when you take them off. How'd you get in tan lines if you stayed in the house <laughs> with them on, supposedly? I mean, but, yeah, that's what I meant, because I would definitely stay in the house with these on. Because, like, once you go outside, people will see your ass. No one should be seeing your ass unless y'all are intimate or you just, I don't know, you want to be a nudist. But say, let, nobody in my neighborhood needs to be seeing my ass. So these would stay in the house. Let's move right on along to the heat wave we're currently having in Texas and what the energy companies are saying. Yeah, unfortunately, poor Texas. The Texas power grid just can't catch a break. So earlier this year, we did talk about in an earlier episode about how poor old Texas got hit with a major winter storm. They obviously were not prepared. People were left without power. They were left without heat. They were out here working from their cars, trying to keep each other warm, blowing on their hands. But the power grid went out. Ted Cruz flew the fuck away. But now the energy company is saying how in the middle of a heat wave, which is threatening to again override the power grid they are telling people hey girls so you know what um we actually did not learn any lessons from the last fuck up and we are about to lose power again how about we just reduce our electric footprint and 
Don't turn on some lights. Leave that computer alone. Maybe, you know what? Don't use your AC. It's not like it's 100 degrees outside. Yeah, so while I'm telling people not to use the AC in 110 plus degree weather, it don't make no type of sense. But you know what will help? If you wear Rihanna's low booty crack leggings, that'll help you get some air on your booty. How about that? No? You're not feeling it? I mean, yes. Apparently, according to the Texas Energy Company, that's the only way you're going to be able to survive. So Rihanna probably knew this was coming. See, she's smart. She's smart. You know what? She's a visionary. She could just only market to Texas and they will love her for it. Texas is becoming the new Florida. They're a hot mess. Literally. Yeah. How long do you think it's going to take Ted Cruz before we see him flying out to Alaska or the North Pole talking about how he was looking out for his kids? His kids made him do it. Oh, he's probably already there. He won't come back until he gets caught. That's how he do. You right. Okay, y'all. It's time for. We out here with it, baby. Of course, none other than nearly perfect Tiana Taylor gets the sexiest woman alive from Maxim. She's making history here. Tell us about that, Sally. Yeah, so Tiana Taylor is the first black woman to get the top spot on Maxim's Hot 100 list. Houseway. Exactly, exactly. All the baddies out there in all the world, and you mean to tell me that Maxim's been doing this for I don't know how many fucking years, but too long for this to be the first time that they actually feature a black woman as the hottest woman in the world. Like, come on, what are y'all doing? Make it make sense. And then the fact too is that she was able to do this basically effortlessly because in the interview where she's talking about the process being able to have the opportunity to get shot by world-renowned photographer Gilles Ben-Simon and then she talks about how she goes in there girl he didn't even want her to change what that's when you know you bad exactly she won't change no wardrobe no hair no hair okay no wardrobe no hair no makeup nothing she walked in from dropping off her daughter at school so she was literally running around doing mommy errands comes in steps in front of the camera in front of one of the world's most respected photographers and does this photo shoot for maxim's hot 100 showing everybody how she out here being a mom an entrepreneur an artist doing her thing and guess what she walk in and sweats and still be the baddest bitch out there hands down and all claps to her for being a badass all around entertainer and yes entrepreneur etc but i have already said this in previous episodes i'm going to need us to stop having the first black anything in 2021 i'm tired of this i'm not checking for no maxims hot 100 list yes i want to give the claps and shout out to tiana taylor but we all know that we're bad and that's the reason why we need to big up the other brands and the other black entertainment sites television stations magazines that are already giving us our flowers because for someone else who is just now recognizing a black woman on their top 100 it's crazy to me yeah that's just uh we are getting our flowers when our flowers matter and yes, moving on to, as we mentioned earlier, hello, the Senate passed a bill declaring Juneteenth as a national holiday. Yes, even though it took us 156 years to actually get to this point, it is still a win. So thank you for that. Don't call me. Don't text me. I ain't doing shit but drinking that brown liquor. Did on that. Now it's time for Check This Out. We have a lot of great biopics coming out. And for Aretha Franklin's, we have Jennifer Hudson, Marlon Wayans, 
and Mary J. Blige. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, so we know this isn't about to be some whole hot mess where the family did not approve. Because we know that the Franklins are going to be involved, we're looking at the actual story. So the film entitled Respect zeroes in on Franklin's early years, including her childhood in the gospel church and her eventually breaking through to fame in the late 1960s. As we already mentioned, Jennifer Hudson will be starring as Aretha Franklin, which I am super excited about because you know I love me some Jennifer Hudson vocals. She be putting that stank on it. And I think that she's really going to be able to make this role come to life as it should. Yeah. And we know that Aretha actually handpicked Jennifer Hudson right after she did Dreamgirls. So she actually got to spend time with Aretha. I mean, when you actually get to handpick the person who's going to play your life and reenact your whole life, oh, it's going to be something. Right. That means it's about to be the real, real. After that hot mess that they had with that earlier project that the Franklin family is still in litigation over, I'm very excited to see the true story of Aretha Franklin's rise to fame and fortune. And keeping on with the positivity here, Kevin Hart is starring in a new Netflix movie. Father's Day just passed, so this is really great for all the fathers out there. His wife passed after childbirth, and he is really going through it, trying to raise his daughter out here as a single father. It looks like a good one. Yes, I watched the trailer for it, and it looks super cute. They show certain scenes of him trying to really navigate what it's like, not just new fatherhood, but single fatherhood, and then also experiencing the tragedy of losing your wife. There was one scene in the trailer where they show him having to brush his baby's hair, and he had no idea what he was doing. And it, honestly, it reminded me of this one time that my dad tried to brush my hair and I felt his pain. And I also felt that baby's pain having to show up to school looking like a hot mess. We also have Alfre Woodard, DeWanda Wise, and Little Rel in it. Little Rel, he's bringing the funny in this. Kevin Hart is taking a more serious approach so we get to see his other acting capabilities. And guess what is out now on Netflix. And moving on to our new podcast that we are thinking about tuning into, Flavor Flav has a new podcast out and about for y'all. And it's called the Flavor Flav Show. He's going to have a ton of different guests. He said, if it can get done, you have the right money for me. I want my first guest to be Mike Tyson. I saw a clip of it and uh, Mike Tyson was having a good time. He was even eating while he was chatting with him. So this actually might be worth tuning in for. Because anything with Flavor Flav is just ridiculous and still funny at the same time. Look, if it's anywhere nearly as entertaining as the Flavor of Love show, I'm here for it. I think this might be a different type of show for him. He even mentioned having Wolfgang Puck as a guest. There may be a throwdown between them two because apparently Flavor Flav got some spices. It's not just in his name. He's He got the flavor. Wolfgang Puck also doesn't go on there trying to microwave a whole chicken for him. Yeah, no. And onto a really great read by Youssef Salam. He has a new book out now called Better Not Bitter. Tell us about it, Sally. Yes. So Yusuf Salam, who I also had the distinct pleasure of interviewing just last semester, as we mentioned in an earlier episode, is one of the members of the Exonerated Five. This book is his memoir where he details his experience of having to go through the criminal justice system, experiencing a wrongful conviction, and then everything that happened thereafter, not just after his release, but the subsequent exoneration in 2002. What he talks about in his book is not just his time in prison, but he also wants to share with us the story about the foundation that was laid by both his family and his faith 
which made it possible for him to not only survive this awful injustice, but also thrive in the midst of it. So Yusef Salam, you know, he's out here. He was able to get his PhD. He's a motivational speaker. He's been able to use his experience and really turn it into something where he can create positive change for others where they might not have been able to do that. So I'm very excited to get into that read. Ditto. I'm all here for it. And now it's time for your black card revoked. So this is too extra crazy. I tell you, we cannot make this up. But a mom and daughter, mm, guess what, Sally? What? Mm. They enjoy watching each other's sex tapes. What? And they even give pointers. Oh, no, ma'am. So elaborate some more, my friend. No, this is this is a flag on the play, red card, yellow card, all the cards. Like, no, this is not okay. And leave it to TLC to come out here with some messy, gross shit on top of that, too. Crazy. Yeah. So on a recent episode of TLC's new series, Smothered, a mother and daughter, Carla and Rikia of Alabama, they are here talking about how they're each other's everything. They're each other's best friends. You know, it starts off all nice and cute. Like, oh, this is a nice, cute mother, daughter, very open, honest relationship until they take it. 10,000 steps too far. Too far. Yeah, they're out here talking about how they do each other's waxings, which, okay, I'm going to be like, all right, so it's COVID, so you're not trying to really expose yourself to unnecessary strangers. A bit weird, but okay. No, no, you do it yourself or you figure out a way to just be natural, baby. Just let the bush grow. But guess what? Twitter took them all the way out after Rikia admitted to showing her mother, yes, her mother, her sex tape. And then her mother decided to, well, let her daughter watch hers. First of all, when do we get into the world where everybody just has a sex tape? Like if I mentioned sex tape, people just gonna be like, oh, you want to see mine? Oh, here, girl, here's my girl. No, that's not how it works. Who does and your it? mother of all people, like, come on, there needs to be an air of mystery. Like, okay, you wanna you wanna be honest with your mama, but there is such a thing as too much honesty, and this right here is it. And we actually have a clip for y'all because listen, it's y'all just gotta hear this shit for yourselves because we can't make this up. I showed her my first sex tape about two years ago. I showed her my first sex tape maybe a year ago. I was like, hey, I want to spice things up. I bought this outfit, you know, what kind of positions do you think I should do or what do you think we should do? And she was just like, oh girl, prop your leg up in this angle. Maybe your back should have been a little bit more arched in this position. You have your significant others know that you show the video to your mom. Yes, I had one significant other in the past that knew that I shared the video with my mom and he was like, you guys are sick. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Make it make sense. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all the way disgusted. It's one thing to want to be close with your parents. You know, I love the whole Gilmore Girls, Lorelai and Roy relationship, but this Ain't it? You can be close with your parent or your mom or dad and tell them about, you know, your love life, etc. But anything going in the lines of sex and telling them too much, especially showing them a sex tape is a oh, hell nah. And it's oh, not even nah the oh, we shared each other's sex tape is we shared each other's sex tapes and we're giving each other pointers on what to do, what positions, how to spice it up. And that's that's too Alabama for me. That's too Alabama for me. I you know what? They need Jesus, but your black card is revoked. Bye. Your black card revoked. And now for that sad blackity black ass truth. 
On this segment of Sad Blackity Black Ass Truth, Chrissy Teigen is just a whole mess. That part, all of that. She's just doing way too much. She's taking her quick wit and really just being more of a bully as her past tweets are now under a microscope. As they always should have been, but apparently people thought she was funny and a truth teller. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Continue. Let the people know. Because I used to be one of those people that I was just like, oh, you know what? Chrissy Teigen, she's just that bad, that bad bitch that she's not taking anybody's shit. But after a quick little, you know, forensic accounting of some of her past tweets going all the way back to 2009, this bitch is just a big old bully. Like in 2011, she once told Lindsay Lohan that she might want to slit her wrist whenever she sees Emma Stone whatever the fuck that was about. She also got into it with Jay Moore after she made fun of his newborn son's name. They named the son Meredith. And she went on Twitter just talking all the shit about like, oh my God, why are you naming your son such a feminine name? It's like, who cares, girl? It's not your kid. Let them mind their business. Exactly. But the funny thing is if somebody were to do that to her and come after her children, oh, she would be big mama bear over here. Exactly. And let's talk about in 2013 where she called a nine-year-old whose name is Kavanze cocky following her win at the Academy Awards. Who does that? She actually tweeted, everyone else seems afraid to say it, but that Kavanzi Wallace is kind of a C-U-N-T, right? How you gonna say that shit about a nine-year-old? How? And and she never apologized for it. Mm -mm, Never. And then she also, um, you know, one of the reasons why she's now been come under a microscope and people are really starting to look at her kind of sideways is because Courtney Stodden, a model, has recently detailed some of her interactions that went down in her DMs. I'm sorry, went down in their DMs when Chrissy Teigen was out here telling them shit like, I can't wait for you to die. And the problem is that these are people that really were living their lives or either going through a moment, needed help, but it doesn't matter what was going on in their lives. Who is she to take it upon herself and say, you know what? I'm going to go tell you to kill yourself, slit your wrists or find line between, you know, being your openly true, authentic bully ass self, Chrissy, and then just going too far. If you want to say your own opinions Okay, that's fine. But why do you have to be so nasty and negative? And let's talk about, Sally, what she did to designer Michael Costello. Yes. So Michael Costello is facing a lot of backlash after some tweets or some comments on Instagram surfaced claiming that he was out here using the N-word all willy-nilly. She was going on the socials, calling him a racist, telling him that racist people like you deserve to suffer and die. You might as well be dead. Your career is over. Just watch. But it turns out, and Instagram has confirmed this, that the comments themselves were actually photoshopped. He never said this. This was someone else trying to go on some revenge rant. He tried reaching out to Tegan and her team, letting he her tried know. To tell her. He tried to tell mm-hmm. her and he did reach out to uh, Chrissy. And Chrissy's response was, you should suffer and die and you might as well be dead. Your career is over. So he basically contemplated killing his own self and taking his own life because he felt like, how can I come back from this? But she has had a clear history of going after people and not just bullying. It's the point of harassment and really just putting them in a bad headspace. And I don't get how, I don't know. I always just saw her as okay a model I I guess a comedian but I never really got her humor and I saw her as this this great wife and mother and now I'm just really confused I'm starting to look at the other people around her like John Legend 
how can you be around this dark? It's not even humor anymore. It's just this negativity. It's and also bad energy, bad energy. But also there is apparently, allegedly divorce rumors between them. Not sure if that is true, but I feel like I really don't know where to stand with the cancel culture, but she definitely needs to have her career revoked. Yeah, she's definitely the classic example of people who do the most, but know the least. So she doesn't really take the time to make sure that her information is correct. The stuff that she's seeing on the internet is actually credible because now what you're doing is you're using your platform in a negative way that can have severe psychological ramifications for whomever you're going after. Exactly. And the minute someone comes for her, oh, her followers are all after them. So we know the big impact that you have. But there was never any real reason for you to interject yourself and your comments into these other people's lives. And how people go kill themselves? Like, come on, in the in this day and age, when we're talking about all these different issues of suicide awareness, how dare you? Yeah, I'm, I'm done with her. And now time for Reality Roundup! So in recent days, we have seen Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, formerly Kimye, now no way because they are undergoing their divorce. Kanye West is apparently in the dating pool and is experiencing a new kind of love with Bradley Cooper's ex and baby mama, Irina Shayk. Yeah, apparently they've been dating for a little while now, maybe a couple months, maybe a couple weeks, but they are in their honeymoon phase. She even walked in a past fashion show for Kanye a little while ago. And apparently they're they're looking cute and apparently Kim is fine with it. So, hey, if they can move on, why not? Go ahead. Yes, you know, in a recent interview, Kim said that all she wants is for Kanye to be happy and healthy for him to be able to get his mental all the way together. I do find it interesting that Kanye has unfollowed the entire Kardashian clan on all the social platforms. So who knows what could be on the horizon? I'm hoping that this divorce does remain amicable because they do have four beautiful cute children together that they have to think about. But you know, he walking around here smiling. He got his spring back in his step. So hopefully this is a good move for everyone involved. Yeah, but I mean, let's be real. Do you want to keep up on the socials with your fam- your soon-to-be ex's family? Because I don't. And not for nothing, but like they're the Kardashians. They post literally every day. They have millions of people who are going to be like telling him what they're doing, showing what they're doing. I wouldn't want to see that either. In my every opinion. day? How about like every minute? <laughs> exactly. So um, I'm going to hit that unfollow too. Like once we're done, I mean, so is the family and friendship and all that. Bye. All right. And moving on to Top Chef, we have had the most we've ever seen in a diverse like finalists right the top five six i think it was so there's don gabe and showed in top three but we also had jamie and i forget the other guy's name but it was a wonderful much needed multicultural representation of food and talent so mm, i was here for what are your thoughts Oh, yes. You know that I'm all about representing the POC culture. I love the fact that they have really taken the time this season to highlight foods from all of these different aspects of the diaspora that don't necessarily get featured when we're thinking about fine dining. Having all of our cultures, all of our different foods represented, and just the respect that they gave to highlighting those aspects was so great to watch. My only issue is Don, girl. I love your food. However, 
We are at the end of the season, girl. Get all your elements onto the dish. What is wrong with you, girl? See, I hate that she is the only black person left out of all the multicultural people there. But she is true a character of like just being late. The thing is, everyone is given the same amount of time to cook the dish, plate the dish and present it. Why are you the only one that can't get all your stuff together? Like you're not going to be given, you're not going to be given extra time. Everyone has the same amount of time. So you need to figure it out if you want to win. And it's not even like she's missing, you know, like, okay, little side pieces that wouldn't really have mattered. She's not a side missing, piece. She, she's missing, like, the shit that ties the dish together. Gail did not get her Gouda in the last episode. What's up with that, girl? Come on. Yeah, um, she's going to need to figure it out, but I'm glad that she's in top three. So keep it pushing. All the diversity on the show, doing a great damn job. Top chef. Moving on to Beverly Hills Housewives. Erica Jane. So we're starting to see small pieces. The ladies now know about her divorce, but I'm just getting a little tired of Bravo really stretching this out. Like they keep showing small pieces of it towards the end of the episode without actually showing us Erica or anything. Yeah, I was hella annoyed with this most recent episode because they stretched out this whole tiff between annoying ass Kyle and Dorit for what seemed like the entire episode over some spat that they had over you not letting me finish the sentence. You talk too much, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But when are you guys going to talk about the fact that Erica Jane just texted y'all telling you that she's filing for divorce after y'all spent a whole week in Lake Tahoe together? Let's talk about that. I need them to speed it on up. Kyle is always annoying. She really thinks that she runs the show since she has been on the longest. But it's also like, why wouldn't Dorit be mad that you cut her off to say something while she was still talking and somehow you feel like she's supposed to apologize to you? Nobody should kiss your ass if you are rude and cut somebody off. Well, then, bitch, she's going to be mad with you. Bye. Kyle, I'm sorry. Don't nobody care about what she got to say. You're boring. Yeah, the only thing really keeping her on the show is her sister now. So keep that in mind, Kyle, and just just get it together. But I'm going to need to see more of this divorce happen soon, because if I have to watch another episode and see the last two minutes showing one piece about the divorce, um, Bravo's getting an angry email from me. And moving on to New York Housewives, what is Ebony up to, girl? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I understand her wanting or I guess needing to turn everything into a teachable moment, but not every moment needs to be a teachable moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I Her poem that she did at the little pageant that they had at the Hamptons, I go, girl, this is, you're kind of bringing the mood down. People are trying yeah. to drink and have a good time, and you were just turning it into a freaking law and ethics lecture. Yeah, that was my issue with bringing someone not just someone different because we needed diversity on the show, but bringing that aspect of, okay, we know you're way smarter than everyone there. We know that you are, yes, the only black housewife there, but that doesn't have to be the one thing or the two things that you bring up into every single situation and conversation because it's like, yes, at the end of the day, like Sally said, this is housewives. Like everything is not going to be a lesson let's just have fun let's guys get drunk and then you know be stupid and silly that's why we watch the show exactly and i'm trying to see you know stupid and silly from all different perspectives not just from ramona talking about how i'm such a prude and simultaneously going out with half the upper east side 
Yes. And now the recap married at first sight. So we now have seen that the entire season has ended and they even had a reunion after that reunion. It was the four months after the show ended. So we get to see, thank goodness, Paige got rid of that BAN and they are no longer together, which is great. But we also got to see Paige go on a date. She went on a date on the show. One thing I didn't like about that date was that the guy was a fan of the show. He watched the show. I don't know how I felt about that. It's like, you already know what she went through and that trauma of this asshole making a complete fool of her on the show. And you wanted to date her because you saw, like, it just didn't sit well with me. I don't know. The date was okay, but that part, I was like, nah, girl. Yeah. And then at that point, it's like, okay, so are you on this date because you're genuinely interested in me? Or are you on this date because you know that they're about to film this shit? You also are going to be on TV and you're going to try to use me for your come up. It seemed like all of the above. He did seem like a decent person and she had a good time. But I just thought like that was weird for him to say. On top of that, you know, she really, really wanted to be done with Chris. So she even changed her number. Good for you, girl. She went and had like a little pedicure spa day with her girl and all the snaps to her friend for being that real ride or die and saying, listen, at the reunion, she was like, I'm ready to cut Chris in the alley if he acts up. So, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts when they kept asking about her feelings towards Chris. And, you know, she did try to keep it nice and cute because she was on TV. But I read in between your lines, girl. And that's a real friend friend. Yes. Also, Run the World on Stars. It is such a good show. I'm loving this. The show is a perfect combination of hmm, everything. Let's see. Living single, sex in the city, and insecure. Yes, so, that, that is a perfect way to describe it. All of our favorite shows just tied up into one great package. Tied up into one. I really do love it. The friendship that these four women have are so good and so real. And I love that we're seeing different aspects of a relationship within each character. You have the single and dating. Her name is Elle. Okay. You have Sandy, who is a student and also dating her thesis advisor. Girl, they're have- dating. They're like in a legit relationship. She be- she basically living at his house. So we see someone who's single, someone who's in a relationship, someone who is engaged and she cheated on her man. He doesn't know, but Terrible. you know, TBD, we don't know what's happening in this- the rest of the season. And then we also have Renee who is married, but now going through a divorce and still getting it in with randoms. So it is all around good fun. And I love that every single episode is basically like a love letter to Harlem. They show you so many nice local spots, you know, food, music, drinks, all of that. And and the girls are, you know, they walk in the neighborhood. It's, it's, I like it. The way that it was done was just mm, perfect. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, with each episode, I'm peeping what spot they're at because the next time I'm in the area, I definitely want to go there. I want to get my drink on here. Yeah, I'm just so happy that we have good shows like this that are new and hopefully we'll have more of them because we are losing Insecure since they just finished wrapping up the taping of the final mm, season that's yet me. to that is yet to premiere so i'm happy that we have great shows like run the world to keep this love of black sisterhood going on and real friendship not just the fake oh i'm gonna tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear friendship hey everyone we are so happy to have our third special guest with us today We got the family in the booth. We are here with Justin Ramos. 
Yeah. Going, East Justin? New York. That's right. We, the three of us, we all out here representing for East New York's finest today. Ew. We go hard. East New York is in the building for sure. Hell yeah. What's up? What's up? Justin, we've been knowing you from way back when. Not way. Way back when. It's been like, what, over 17 years or so. And we knew you before the comedy show when it was in the backyard, the cookout, the family cookout. You was born for this. Absolutely. All right. So before we really jump into it, first, let the people know where they can find you, Justin. So I'm on everything. I'm on all of the social medias, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If people still got MySpace, I'm on there still. What? I'm on Xbox, all at Justin the Comic. Snapchat too. <laughs> okay, so he ready with all all the followings. <laughs> I'm like, what? I haven't heard that in a minute. Yeah, they like, try to bring it back. It didn't work. And our game, which was funnier for the earlier part of this episode, we talked about gifts after a breakup, keeping it or losing it. What about you, Justin? Are you keeping anything or are you tossing it out or giving it back? Or selling? I, giving it back. It depends on what it is. We talked about jewelry or as you mentioned, you play games. So we talked about electronics being game station, computers, phones, all that good stuff. I might, I might sell some electronics. Now, if there's sneakers, depending on the value, I'm definitely selling them of them. I have pairs that are worth there's a pair that i have that i've worn many times and i got them three years ago and they're worth two thousand right now used what the hell? no one bought those from me but i'm just saying if someone purchased something for me and i was in a bind i will sell some shit okay for the dollars i mean it's a pandemic so we ain't mad at you exactly so what about <laughs> this one gets a little tricky what about an animal puppy cat parrot no i'm keeping you that's keep what it. i said okay. i love animals the thing is if you're on both sides of the fence you went into this relationship and you got a pet you're gonna have to have some visitation right nah man i'm keeping see that's <laughs> what i said you gotta make sure that when they gift you the animal they also gift you the paperwork you gotta get the That's paperwork. Right. They could do visitation on Zoom. <laughs> Not okay, even. Well, I'm, I guess I'm gonna need y'all to make sure those locks, you know, extra tight because somebody's <laughs> coming to take the animal. Just saying. Damn. But we gonna move right on along. You know, Chicago's getting a little extra crazy. They are doing pop up strip clubs in the park. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our thoughts. Yep. Wasn't Atlanta doing drive-through? One of the states was doing drive-through strip. It clubs. was Atlanta. They were doing. I think they were doing combination car wash strip club type of situations. Here, it's a legit pop-up strip club. So they're at this park. It's where kids are at. They created like some really makeshift stages. They got some poles out there and people are just out there, you know, twerking it for the street. But you know what? There's a business there because it's near a university. People got to pay for college somehow. Just saying. (laughs) And also college students, they be getting burned out with all of this Zoom shit, being on computers all day. It's nice to see something real live and in action. And it's hot out here. It's either that or OnlyFans, right? (laughs) What are your thoughts, Justin, on Freak Nick being back? It's returning to the ATL. My thoughts are Atlanta doesn't give a fuck, okay? They never have. I, so you in Atlanta. And, um, I've been here. This is the third day I've been here. And um, no masks anywhere. Uh, people, they get to smoke in every building. Like, smoke, smoke. Dang. Like three-day block party. Freak Nick, October 8th to the 10th. That is around the same time Disney is doing their 50th. Decision. <laughs> Decision. 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 
But you know, it might help. You're going to have performers like Adina Howard, who she almost 50 and she's going to be talking about being a freak on to the day and to the oh night, right? God. It's out here for the grown and sexy. You got a little Scrappy and Ray J along with a lot of other performers. But, might be worth mentioning. You might get some stuff for your comedy. You know what I'm saying? But yo, like, do you guys see who's on this movie? Yo, oh, it's yeah. JD, Bun B. Yep. Trick Paul Daddy. Wall coming out. Yeah. Oh, Paul Wall and all his grills. Yo, um, Gangsta Grills uh, is letting us use their event space for the 1865 festival. Oh snap! Okay, well, so, so now it's right next door. We gonna just transition right into you and stop stop. stop <laughs> <how the> world. <laughs> Since you are in Atlanta on this comedy tour, tell us how you got started in the industry, Justin. Tell us what's up. Okay, so um, I started my stand-up career in uh, 2010, but I wrote for four years while I was in college. Um, instead of doodling, I was writing material. So you, you remember those little memo notebooks we used to write our assignments in when we were in elementary school? Mm-hmm. Sure. I had four of those and I filled them up in like, I don't know, a couple of months, page to page. And I, you know, I would record what I thought was funny on an old tape recorder that I had and that I could carry around a portable one. And in 2010, I took a class at Caroline's on Broadway with Linda Smith. There it was just, I got the how to perform. I had the material, or so I thought, right? If you look back from 2021 to back then, I think I sucked, right? Whatever. But um, everybody's their harshest critic. It's okay. Yeah. I was getting laughs back then. I was just like, maybe it's just my family, but there were actually normal people that I don't know, strangers that laughed at me. I mean, but, I was um, laughing. And I you know, know. I was like, we weren't necessarily yeah. straight, but we, we saw the family, but we was like, you know, me and Trevor, we ain't gonna laugh. This shit's not funny. Well, when you guys saw me, I was my fourth year in. So we that was speaking. when I was figuring out what made me funny. Okay. Like I found my voice about time I did that barbecue and I had my friends. I think the year that I did that barbecue was 2013. That was when I jumped into the Chitlin circuit. Because before that, all I was doing was comedy clubs. The Chitlin Circuit is the Black Circuit. And those are in Black-owned businesses, like bars, restaurants, event spaces. We like that. Even like, you know, anywhere that's Black-owned that does comedy is the Chitlin Circuit. (laughs) I like that because you're not only just promoting yourself, but you're also taking advantage of Black-owned businesses, trying to highlight, amplify Black-owned entrepreneurship. And we definitely need more of that because if we don't do it, nobody else will. I agree. So you just mentioned your comedy journey, which was really crazy but tell us about your writing process you know that's evolved but like how how did this how did it help you so that class just showed us like to follow time right whatever time is given you follow it they tell you you're doing five you do five minutes like she taught us uh like how to take the mic out of the stand how to move it behind you how to not use the mic stand as a crutch because people pay attention to that. There's there's things that are distracting to audience members. They're drunk, right? They're eating hot wings. They don't, they pay them for laughter. But if you do like the littlest things, it can distract people. That's really uh, they, they, Linda taught us like how to properly prepare your sets and things like that. But how I learned was by doing it, right? So for the first two years, two to three years, I was um, learning what is considered the mainstream style of comedy, right? The white circuit right the main the main the main shit right so what you knew about that la comedy there you go la comedy right and then when in 2013 when i got brought to the the black side of town right i had the material for them but i didn't deliver it the way they did so what i would do is is i watch a lot of stand-up anyway um like i study it i read i've read books on it i've some of the books i've read over and over so that was another thing. Like when I jumped on the other side of the ball, I met mentors like Marlon Randolph, who took a liking to me and I bombed on his first show. But he liked that I was confident in my set 
And he just was like, what are you doing tomorrow? And then from there, I was in New Jersey. Then I was going to this place and that place. Wherever he had a show, I was there. My first two months in comedy, I met Pudge Fernandez, who was my first official mentor. He put me on a reading list because I was cocky when I was like, yo, I'm going to be the hottest black Latino comic in the world. Yo, I'm the shit. And he was like, nah, son, listen, you just started. You need to read the Comedy Bible by Judy Carter. Read uh, Stand Up Comedy by Judy Carter. Read uh, Comedy Facts and Answers, which it took me six years to find that book. And he also told me to read Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. Hold and, on. Why did the book take you six years? Like, what about this book? To find the Comedy Facts and Answers because it's out of print. Oh. I ended. I still don't have a hard copy. I, I ended up buying it on uh, Apple for like 20 bucks, I think. But I still can't find it. I, I'm a, a regular at Strand. I order books. And I they love could never order it. Um, so you yeah. be reading. Okay, comic. Who yes. Reading? All the snaps because I love a real book that you cannot compare the turning of the page to Agreed. reading something on your phone. It's just not for um, me. Okay, don't come for me when I read books on my phone. Thank you. I, I mean, I got a couple. Like, I have the uh, one comedy book that's digital. I do like the fact that you bring up the study of your craft because it's oh, not yeah. like you just jumped into this and you were like, okay, I'm going to do this and it doesn't take any sort of skill work whatsoever. Like, you actually... There is a craft, there is a study, there is a knowledge behind anything that you do. Yep. You recognize that and you're, this is what doing the work looks like. Where you're yeah. going out there, you're getting educated to provide yourself that foundation so that when you get on that stage, you know what the fuck you're talking about. Absolutely. And, and that's what you, you know, got to tell the kids because the kids out here yeah. that you just show up one day, you just say something funny, that's it. Yeah, like, oh, nah. I just showed up in the schoolyard, I cracked a couple jokes. I'm a comedian now. It takes time. You know, it's like it's a it's a marathon. It's not a race. Like it takes time to find your voice on stage and find what makes you funny. Now, as far as writing, a lot of times I write on stage. So I freestyle a lot. And if it works, I'm always recording. So whether it be video or voice recording. So if something hits and it's just an idea, then I write it down. Sometimes I'll do a whole joke on stage that I never wrote before. Really? People don't understand how I do that. I don't know how I do it. I just kind of like Something might happen in the crowd. It might be a heckless situation. And I'll just feed off of that. I would be at shows and I hear a police car go by and I think of something. It just happens like that sometimes. Weird. That's <laughs> good that you make your hecklers your inspiration for a new joke. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not about to take this is my show. Like, back the fuck up. Um, yeah, like, like yeah. you paid to see me. I didn't pay to see you watch me bomb. Last year, you know, because of the pandemic, I did about six or seven shows, which is for the whole year. Isn't that crazy? Like, I'm used to performing every other night, if not every night. That's right? crazy. So I remember um, the city shut down in March. I had a show the week before the city shut down officially, right? My next show was in August. So my best friend was like, yo, I want you to do, you know, open for me. He was closing his 10-year anniversary show, the Sharpest Year, right? He was like, yo, when's the last time you've been on stage? So I told him, he was like, yo, that's seven months. You're going to be good? I was like, yeah. Because he didn't know, like, even though I'm not performing stand-up, I'm watching what's out there. So all of the new specials that were released last year on Netflix and everywhere else, I was watching. And I was still writing and collecting data because of everything we were going through, all of us, the whole world. So by the time I got on stage, I was fine. Like, I had a new five minutes plus my signature jokes that always work. All right, we're going to take a listen to your set at the season seven premiere of Laughaholics out in East New York. What's up, East New York? How y'all doing? Real East New York, say ow. <laughs> you can cut it, DJ. Real East New York knows real East New York, right? 
Ain't no gentrification happening here for a long motherfucking time. Yeah. You know white people coming, though. They got the bike lanes laid out for them. They got bike racks. I am not locking up my bike in front of the pink houses. I don't know about you motherfuckers. <laughs> I miss the old trains. The old trains were entertaining to me. I don't like this stand clear to the closing door. I like the old school Firebird 5 train, right? With Winston on the speaker. This is the Flatbush Avenue bound 5 train. He doing commercials in between. If you want good beef paddy, you get off at Winthrop Street. Call my cousin, I win. <laughs> okay, Justin, dope ass set. Like right now, I have a whole new act. And that's I, amazing. Um, that's a rule that he and I have. When the year ends, we're writing our material for the beginning of the new year. And we'll already have like a new 30 to an hour before the, the current year is over. Him and I are sitting on a lot of material. Like we're always creating. But what does that consist <laughs> of? Just anything around you, you know, real life situations? Real life, things that are around me. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about my family. Okay. Um, I talk about my I'm sure they time. love that. I know, yeah. right? Oh, they love it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know you made a joke about, you know. So. Yeah, how does that go down if they're in the audience and you're talking about them? Because I'm about to throw, you know, some chili fries at you. Just saying. So look, so that time you guys saw me at the barbecue, that was all off the top of my head. It's just from, like, everything was memories um, of my grandparents, memories of Uncle Jeffrey, of course, which there are so many. The joke that I wrote about Uncle John is based yes. on both Uncle John. It's just in one character. Oh, that's interesting. And I asked for permission. And both of them, Uncle John, who had the house in Queens, was like, yes. yeah, whatever, boy. And then my other Uncle John was like, well, if it makes you funny, nigga, and uh, makes you some money, then do that shit. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you pull out inspiration from your family, but also what's going on in the world. Because honestly, yeah, yeah, the world yeah. is so crazy. Who can't make fun of it, right? But also, yeah, of course. you have the real ability and skills to do that. Yeah. yeah. And it's yep. great that you basically turned, you know, the pandemic gave us all a bag of lemonades and you just been turning that into a whole bunch of lemons. No, so, Spike yep. Lemonade. He made yeah, Spike, Spike Lemonade. lemonade. Yeah, I waited. I waited very patiently for March of this year to happen. I booked Virginia, the show I did in April in Virginia Beat, Newport News, Virginia. And then time in April... I get word of the 1865 Fest. I'm good friends with the creative, Anetta Schofield. So I reached out to her. I was like, yo, I want to be in it. I'll help you behind the scenes, whatever. Like, I, I want to be in this. I'm submitting on the first day. As soon as you drop the info, I'm submitting. So I did. And then from there, I set up like everything else. Until I know what goes on for the last day. I did all my showcases for the festival in the first two days. But I set up other shows around town. But you so. know what? That's the East New York hustle. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. can you tell the people exactly what the 1865 festival is? So the 1865 Comedy Festival is in honor of Juneteenth. It's Hello. been uh, 401 years, I believe. And basically, it's in Atlanta. And it's showcasing black comedians from around the country. Like we got folks from Portland, Philadelphia, Colorado, New York, and folks from here in Atlanta, everywhere pretty much. It's four days, three to five showcases a day, depending on if audience comes to the later shows. We have, uh, it's right in like East Atlanta Village, which seems to be like a hipster kind of starting to gentrify, but it's still a little hood. Oh, but, you like that? A little yeah, yeah, yeah. with a little hood. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to need to show yeah, up on but that. But the vibe like is that. crazy, though. Like, I'm used to the 
the hustle and bustle and the grimy East New York or just New York on the whole. And these comedians out here is just all positive. Like it's all love. Like we all know each other because we've been communicating on uh, Slack and our Facebook group. And then we all followed each other when the Facebook group was created. Cause one of my good friends, uh, Eric Green, who we've been friends via social media for eight years. We met for the first time two days ago in person. Don't you After love that? Each other via social media. <laughs> okay, network. See that network and how it comes through? <laughs> yes. And you see, this is the one of those positive sides of social media where you can connect with people and become right. friends with them You're like, on the different things that you connect on and then never meet yeah. them. And then finally you meet them and it's like you never miss a beat. Right. And it's like, yo, Jess, yo, Eric, what's up? So that that's what was happening, too. And then there was people that I've never met before. But due to doing this festival, we all knew each other's faces already because we had promotional uh, packages already out there on social media. So people were just walking up. Oh, you, Justin. Oh, you, Brian. Hey, what's up? Hey, Jay, how you doing? We all knew each other. Yep. You told us that you booked and busy right in Atlanta with 1865. What about your other upcoming shows that you're doing since Rona's gone and things are basically just open now? Well, they've so, been open uh, in Atlanta. For Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta um, never closed down because, yeah, no, yeah they never, COVID never permeated the Atlanta, Fulton, the Cobb County border. Yo, while I'm down here, I'm doing the Oak Comedy Lounge um, tonight at eight. I may do it again tomorrow based on what happens if I get selected for Best of the Fest or if they throw in another showcase tomorrow night for the last night of the festival. So whoever's in Atlanta, June 18th, I'm doing the Oak Comedy Lounge at eight. And then tomorrow, which is Juneteenth, it's up for grabs. Now, when I get back to New York. Yeah, yeah. My ears are perked because I might want to check that out. On the 27th of this month, I'm opening for Raw Digger. Okay. We out here with it, baby. Okay, where I get my tickets at? Because I'm coming. Hold up. The information is on Eventbrite. Um, It's the Twisted Lipstick Comedy Show. She's the musical headliner, so... It's going to be me and a bunch of my friends um, doing Twisted Lipstick. It's the 27th of June. Okay. So it's a okay. Sunday at 2 o'clock at Bedford Manor, a.k.a. Bedford Hall. Let me open up my Google Calendar right now. <laughs> right? It was supposed to be Rick Rock, but since we had to change it, Rick Rock is busy. You know, it wasn't me. So your girl on the corner. It wasn't, it wasn't that me. guy. So he was uh, replaced with Rod Digger, which is equally as dope to me because I love flip mode. So um, hell this yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. So July 2nd, I'll be at Cafe Azule in Brooklyn. It's the productively stoned uh, comedy show at 7 p.m. That's with my good friend Jordan Rock, the youngest brother of Chris and Tony Rock, and my friend Reggie Thomas. They've been doing that show as long as Rashad and I have been doing Better Not Bring Your Kids. So since about 2014, we're actually like the only two crews that are still running their monthly shows like seven, eight years later, almost eight years. Well, hold um, up. Can you actually mention Better Not Bring Your Kids? Because we know, but let the people know. Yeah. Started with your bestie. Because, you know, we all about besties, entrepreneurs. <laughs> that's how the East so, New York do it. Right. Better Not Bring Your Kids is uh, a show that's created by me and my, my best friend in comedy, my brother from another mother, Rashad Bashir. The name comes from one of our idols, Dave Chappelle, in the chorus. Chappelle Show, Chappelle right? Show. They go, Better Not Bring Your Kids. And Rashad came up with the name and we started it uh, in 2014 and we've taken it everywhere, pretty much in New York. We started at Eastville Comedy Club, the original Eastville. And then from there, we moved the show to Greenwich and Broadway Comedy Club. Those clubs are owned by the same owner, Al Martin. 
And then in less than five years, we brought it to Caroline's on Broadway. So, you know. Which is major. Caroline's is yeah. like a staple comedy. Exactly. That's where all the greats. We saw shows there. We saw Yvonne Orgy. We saw Tiffany Haddish. Mm-hmm. So it was like looking at them and saying, oh, look, this is the same stage that Justin is on. He's really doing his thing. You know what's so funny about Yvonne? We got bumped for her. The night that you went, I guarantee oh. you that that was the, if you guys saw her there, it was probably mm-hmm. during the New York Comedy Festival. It was during the New York Comedy Festival. We were supposed to be there for Saturday at midnight and they booked her and they bumped us. We were like, ah, but to make it up to us, they gave us two dates. So like they gave us Halloween and they gave us a date around Christmas time. But we really wanted the New York Comedy Fest because that would have been like, yeah, yo, nobody got this shit. That would have been crazy. But you know, (laughs) she started off there and also before her was Amanda Seals also was at Caroline's. I love going to Caroline's. So when you and the bestie made it there, I was like, okay, Justin, coming from (laughs) Caroline's. If you don't know, people, Caroline's is uh, the shit, all the best in New York. Yes, yes. We always have a good time. But when you are at Caroline's, you know, um, you didn't just make it. You you is it. Okay. Exactly. The fastest uh, passings I ever had. Pass means when you become a regular at the club. A regular, not a regular regular, just a regular. Yeah. Like you just you get booked for their house shows and different events that they do. And that was probably the fastest I've ever been passed. Like. And actually, the third member of the crew, uh, Kevin Mason, a.k.a. Avery Mason, that's his acting name, my friend that was on Power. So we got booked first. Rashad, he was, uh, wasn't was fast on the draw. Since you're booked and busy this year and you have a lot of shows coming up, is there anything specific that you do to prepare for them? So on my way down here, right? If you don't get nervous, you should just quit, right? If you don't have nerves, you should quit anything you do, anything in life, right? What like kind of the sweats, heart palpitating, maybe some some rumblings in your tummy, some stomach yeah, issues. You gotta yeah, have it. I'm nervous. I'm going to the bathroom for <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, look, look, I have a friend. He takes Uh-oh. a shit every time he's about to go on stage. He's like, yo, I'll be right back. Because that's guess nerve. what? That's how he knows he's going to yeah. be not he just blow the shit up in the bathroom. He's going to blow it up on stage. Yeah. You get it all out so you can put your full self on yeah. stage. Or whatever. That's hilarious. Do. But uh, what what I did on the plane ride down here, I had a new joke that I tried a couple times on stage. Um, it's about my niece, right? She's seven. But I was nervous about writing it down. Mind you, if I get an idea, I'll put the title of the joke and some bullet points on it in my phone, and then write it out later in my notebook. But I was getting nervous about. It. I was like, "Damn, yo, I hope this goes well. I hope the festival is a hit." And blah blah blah. So I started listening to one of Paul Mooney's compilations yes, with like his best jokes. Paul Mooney. Yeah, that's one of my idols. So that's what I do. Either I'm listening to a comedy album, watching a special, or I watch old clips of myself and say, oh, I should bring this joke back. This might be good for this show. And that's how I get prepared. I just uh, study, basically. <laughs> well, I definitely want to yeah. say R.I.P. Paul Mooney. It's legend. great to look to the legends to mm-hmm. amp you up and prepare and get you ready. Yeah, Because you can't know where you're going yeah. if you don't know where you've been. Exactly. That uh, is so very you've been true. talking a lot about comedy, but guess what? You also what? acting out here in these streets. Uh, tell us about yes, indeed. Out, right? Yes, indeed. I did an independent film this year called The Night Out. And it was written, produced, and directed by one of my comedy brothers, um, fellow comedian Elijah Bullock. It's starring myself and two other comedians, JP Justice, who's been in the game close to 35 years. Dave Lester, who's been in the game over 25 it's a comedy. It's a short film. It's only like 14 minutes long. We finished it in three days. 
we did our first viewing of it about a month ago now. So that's going to be in some of the independent festivals that are coming up in New York and probably other states as well. You could either type in the night out by Elijah Bullock or just type in Elijah Bullock's name on YouTube and it'll come right up. But there are plans to put it on Tubi and Amazon Prime at some point this year. I uh, started booking background acting gigs. So my first yes. gig that I booked and filmed was okay. for season four of uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Amazing. Um, I'm watching. Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm on there. I'm not allowed to talk about the role, but just know I'll be on there looking to see if they want me to come back this Friday. 630 in the morning, I, I got a hot comb to my head and then he put some uh, pomade in there, some old school <laughs> pomade. Maybe Are you sure they have you looking like a pimp named Slickback with all these products? <laughs> yeah, in look, I look like I was running numbers. <laughs> it was cool, though, but it was so a good experience. I'm excited oh. just for the screenshots of your perm press. I'm trying to get in the union. So I think I have to do like maybe three more projects. I'll probably be sad before the end of the year. Ooh, okay. That means true, but that means he's going to get previews on films that haven't even hit. You know what I'm saying? I like that. Yeah. Let us know because we need the scoop on things. Yeah, but guess come what? On. That's right. We're <laughs> people. Justin, we help each other. Justin, the comic, was this a natural transition? Was this something you always wanted to do? Just kind of like do comedy, but also get into acting and kind of just make the two become one, right? And yeah. Are you catching that, that acting bug? Check this out. Okay, we'll I check. always wanted to do acting. I never knew that I wanted to do comedy until I got into my 20s and I got interested in it, right? But I always wanted to do acting. Little known fact, your bestie <laughs> and I, we used to act when we were really young in a group young, young. called Let's Pretend. So basically what they did was is they had us write our own plays and act them out for family. Okay. So I did a lot of things to prepare me, I guess, for the entertainer that I am today. So I always known I wanted to act and that was because... When I was growing up, I watched a lot of Jim Carrey, Robin Williams films. I watched In Living Color, Saturday Night Live, Mad TV, any film with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy in it. So I always knew I wanted to be in entertainment. And I always knew I wanted to be on TV and in movies. Like, I've always known that. Because I used to tell my mother that all the time. Everything Listen, that's happening is happen. supposed to happen for you. Right. Meant for you is meant for you. So True. True. And, and you have a really solid thing. support right. system. Definitely. You're not, you're not giving up on your dreams. You're living them right now. Exactly. Are there any other future plans or is there anything else you want to let the Beyond People audience know about? So I'm still working on recording my album due to the pandemic. I was supposed to do it last year. It's so funny that I'm in this festival because Vanetta, who created the 1865 Festival, was going to help co-produce my comedy album. Um, I actually have like venues picked out already. I know one in particular that I'm probably going to use because it's black owned. And that's what we do. We create black wealth in the community. And I'm also I'm still looking to get back into radio. That's what I went to school for. Communication studies, broadcasting technology, um, anything to do with television and radio is my, my field. I may have to leave New York to pursue my broadcasting career or basically continue it. I help everybody in comedy. I help comedians I don't even like just because <laughs> oh, that's I don't... nice of you. Hey, See, that's listen. not the New York way. Yeah. The Caribbean in me, I'd be petty to the day I die. So like some of them, I just be like, I don't mind. Yeah, I don't fuck with them. Like, you know, like I'm down here with one I don't fuck with. Right. And we ended up on a, a show in Buckhead together. And uh, the promoter was like, yeah, she from uh, from New York. So I said, yeah, 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 we know each other. And I just kept talking. to him. <laughs> And she kind of had this look on her face like, oh, no, he did. Yes, the fuck I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We know each other. Yeah, I know her. So anyway, 
that is I'm just saying some women are petty for no reason it's just a fact yep but no we absolutely appreciate you being here today just in the comments let the people know where they can find you well let me tell you how good East New York is right so the three of us are from East New York right and Jimmy Schmitz, who grew up a block away from me on Vermont, okay? I grew up on New Jersey Avenue, is on Hollywood Boulevard because he just got his star on Hollywood Boulevard. Yes! Okay. okay. So that's how great people from East New York are. I mean, Maxwell's from the Pink Houses. East New York is great. We are good at everything. The funny thing about East New York is people say all the bad, but a lot of people in East they New don't York- don't talk about the good homes. enough. Don't talk yeah, about people the own their own homes bad. out there, their businesses. My mother owns her home. Yep. Her, my Our grandfather, you know, owned it before mm-hmm. that. So, you know, all and a of lot our of people, parents own our own yeah. homes. And guess what? College educated, right? Exactly. Yep. They never talk about that. Working class people, you know, there are nurses that live over there, there are doctors that live over there, you know. Mm-hmm. So East New York has a lot of good and people don't highlight that. But look at us, man. We yeah, we chilling. Exactly. Man. East New York raised us. And look that's right. That. East New um, York raised doctor, us. We have a comedian over here and actor and um, yes. entrepreneur. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then you have a director of the arts doing the damn thing. So hello. Exactly. And yeah, you guys could find me at Just in the Comic Everywhere. If you want a t-shirt, just hit me up. I'll send it to you, deliver it, ship it, whatever. They only $20. <laughs> Shout out to my cousin, Aisha, who did the logo. Aisha.made.it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Justin, of all the cousins, who is your favorite? My favorite cousin is Kamani. When it comes to Janice and Shannon, we are more than cousins. We're brother and sister when it comes to them. So they okay, are- I like how you did me, that. Okay, To me, they're that. more, they're higher than my cousins. You know what I'm saying? I love all of you guys equally. There's no relationship like what I have with Janice and Shannon. Hands down. We yeah. argue, we fight, but we're down for each other no matter what. And we compete like crazy with each other. And I really like yep. that very diplomatic answer you right? gave. So people, don't <laughs> be surprised. It's a little bullshit, but yeah. I like it. Thank you, Justin, for joining us. Hop by anytime. Oh, yeah. If you want to hit us up to say hey or let us know about any It Be Your Own People moments, send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Hey, y'all. Don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Podcast. And that's all we have for you today on It Be Your Own People. Stay woke, stay alert, and tune in next time.